one of the things that's really a premise here is is we're looking at the book of Exodus and we're looking at how the people of God went from slavery in Egypt into the freedom that comes with being in the promised land. They were they remember we talked about they were housed in Israel, in, in Egypt, but they were still homeless. They 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 were not a people. They did not have a home that they belonged to. They didn't have their own land. They didn't have their own opportunity for living out their life in the freedom that they wanted to have, especially those who wanted to follow God. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It is a journey that you must do on your own. It is not something that someone else can do for you, but we can come alongside you to challenge you, encourage you, and to entertain you a little bit with some badly written jokes or unwritten jokes most of the time. (laughs) My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, and we cannot do the Salty Pastor Podcast without a Salty Pastor, and we have one of my favorites, Pastor Harvey Friesen today. Good to be back here with you today, Jesse, and excited to have it. Excited that Pastor Doug's going to be back with us again in studio soon as well. Yes, and, he'll be uh, finishing up his uh, study break, yes. I guess is what we should be calling it. Yeah. I think people get a weird rap on the word sabbatical. They think he's just out like partying it up, but he's really just spending time Plowing away. planning and studying. And I know he's got a series that's coming up, not this next one that he's really stoked about and is putting a lot of effort into which is my political jesus and that's the a series he wants to really dive into yeah first so peter know, a whole yeah. study of the book of first peter and so and he's that, been really yeah. diving into that to try to make sure he yeah. really sticks the landing on that one because it could <laughs> be a little divisive if he's not careful so um he's on a study break um and he's going to be coming back to us next week um to kind of inspire us and share yeah. what he's learned so yeah, but what are we learning from you this so week? we have our little mini mini master if you want to call it that for all the college students out there but we've got this two week uh this two week class that we're doing or two weeks where we're studying finding your way home and one of the things that's really a premise here is is we're looking at the book of exodus and we're looking at how the people of god went from slavery in egypt into the freedom that comes with being in the promised land they mm-hmm. were they remember we talked about they were housed in israel in, in egypt but they were still homeless they they, they were not a people. They did not have a home that they belonged to. They didn't have their own land. They didn't have their own opportunity for living out their life and the freedom that they wanted to have, especially those who wanted to follow God. And so we're talking about how you move from slavery to freedom. We're talking about how the Israelites moved from Egypt over to the promised land. And one of the things that we brought up this last week was God didn't let him take the shortcut. There's no Christian shortcut. There was no uh, Jewish shortcut. There was follow God where he leads you to go. And what we tend to believe is, is well, I, I, I can't make it there. And and I think we're half right and fully wrong. And the half right is, is you're right. You can't make it there on your own. You were never intended to make it there on your own. In fact, even as you were doing the prompt in the intro to what we're doing on the salty pastor, and that is we can't walk your faith for you, but God can walk with you. And mm-hmm. I think this is such a powerful picture because we live in a world that believes we're on our own and we have to take care of it. And we grew up as latchkey kids and we've, you know, we're generations of divorce and, and several generations on now. And sort of the idea was a lot of us learned early on, we're kind of on our own. Mm-hmm. 
So that's that's the premise of what we're talking about today. We're gonna. So last week we did uh, Exodus twelve and thirteen, where we talked about finding your way home, but that means finding an identity in who you are in God. And then we're gonna talk now about okay, they go on the journey. They didn't take the shortcut. They were actually called to go the long way. And before they went on the long way, they dedicated themselves to God. That was a requirement that God called for in Exodus thirteen. Then we get to fourteen, and now we get the story. This is one everybody remembers. Charlton has. And you know, with the Ten Commandments and the movie and all that goes on, and the Egyptians chasing him and everything like that. But this is where the action really starts. And so when we get into 14, 14 is the process where they literally are crossing over into the promise. Uh, sorry, not the promised land. They're crossing over the Red Sea on their way to the promised land. Then you get to chapter 15 and they sing a song. It's actually the first thing they do is, is that they worship God. They declare mm. to God, what a great God you are. You delivered us. And it, it ends up with this phrase, uh, your right hand, O Lord, is glorious to power. Your right hand, O Lord, smashes the enemy. Uh, and in that, he they sang this song that God delivered them from horse and rider went into the sea. And maybe maybe you heard this at a camp song. You were at camp this summer. I was. There's, yeah, there's a song, the horse and rider thrown into the sea, right? I mean, that, that happens. Then they move along and they run into challenges. The first challenge they have in chapter 16 is, or 15 at the end, is they, they run out of water. Mm. They don't have any water. So, and they come upon a spring and the water is bitter. And, and I, I want to draw this parallel. This is going to be an important parallel. We're going to talk about this Sunday. When we come to God, especially when we come to God later on in life, that's why I think it's a blessing that children actually grow up in a house uh, that is a follower of God house because they don't adopt what you, you still can. And please don't hear me. It's not Pollyanna. It has to be very intentional, proactive. Uh, but what you get is you get the safeguards of Christian belief and teaching. It has to still be taught. And this, I think, one of the great mistakes that we make with, with younger kids. Well, if they just grow up my home, we go to church, everything will be great. No, it, it, no, that, that, that is not training a child in the way they should go. That's not training a child in the Shema, Hero Israel, our Lord is God, our Lord is one. I mean, training them up actually means proactively engaging and training them in the way of the Lord. So then, but we'll go, going back to the point of, the Israelites were in Egypt for 430 years, Jesse. I mean, think about how long that is, okay? 430 years. That is yeah, like well, a very long time. It's longer than this country's been in existence yeah. by almost 200 more years. We're mm-hmm. 240 years or something like that, right? I mean, yeah. the, the, this is so important to remember. They were there for a long they had. They had... There were generations that grew up not even thinking about the God uh, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They, they were slaves. I mean, they, they were cracked with a whip. If you remember, Moses lost his position in Egypt because the Israelites were treated so poorly, he killed one of the Egyptians that was cracking the whip on the Israelites. So right. they did not have it good. And, and so a lot of these people, of course, all the adults moving out of, of slavery, they're coming with no knowledge of God. They're coming with, well, we heard some stories from long, 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 long ago. I mean, the whole notion of George Washington's wooden teeth, right? I mean, that, that story's still 200 years short of them having oh, stories. the stories that yeah. they would have had. Well, exactly, right. exactly. So, so this is important when you're coming to faith. A lot of us have this idea that it's Pollyanna. You come to God, and he takes you from slavery into the promised land. No, that's not what happens. That's not what happens at all. In fact, this story is so profound. It's especially profound if you're just growing in your walk of faith. A lot of people take that shortcut and just say, well, I'll just show up in church. I guess everything will be fine. No, God leads you on a path 
to need him. He takes you to a place you couldn't go without him. Cross your Red Sea. He takes you, once you cross the Red Sea, you sing hallelujah songs. Justin and team and Ashley lead us in great worship. You come, Sundays of worship flows, and it's so wonderful. And then you show up and you go, well, I'm out of water. And the first thing they did was they complained. Right. Uh, right. And, and interestingly enough is that God says to him, okay, here's what I want you to do. And think about this picture for a second. To cross the Red Sea, God had him raise the staff and raise his hand. So he made the leader stand out from the crowd parents. That's what God does with you and your parenting. Your kids are watching you and you're in full view. And he says, okay, follow and trust me and do it publicly. Uh, next thing that happens is they get to the place where there's the water, uh, but it's bitter. It's called Mara, M-A-R-A. Uh, Mara means bitterness in, in Hebrew. And they get there and God calls on him to throw a piece of wood into the water, which now changes the water and they can drink it. And, and there's, a, there's some powerful pictures here where God actually forces you to do something to get the blessing. Right. And this is one of the great mistakes we make in infantile Christianity is, well, I'm just going to sit here and God bless me. And God says, throw the water in the wood, uh, throw the wood in the water. I don't want to throw the wood in the water. Make me look stupid. What if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't go the way I want it to? So Moses' leadership is again in full view of everybody. So that that's chapter 15. Well, and I think it's yeah, you keep ahead. pulling this uh, parallel of parenting, and we see this a lot. At least what my mom did was if we wanted money for allowance or something, there was we had to go do something for it. Because it's yeah. like when you if you give somebody something and they don't do anything for it, their, their respect or desire to cherish it is diminished, right? They don't if, even have it, Jesse. Right. They don't it's even know like, it exists. Oh, I just got it. It's whatever, right? Easy come, and, easy go, right? And so you see that, but it's also, I think, you again, you talk about, you know, showing your kids what it means to worship and how church is supposed to be is why our, our family ministries and our kids ministries are so focused on, Hey, we're going to have these quarterly days where we bring your kids into service so that they can see how you worship and how you do things. And exactly. when things get hard, you should be praying in front of your kids. Mom about and dad how, do the same thing. Yeah. yeah so that's then, right. So then they see, Oh, I'm coming when I'm having troubles. I should mimic what my parents do. And if my parents just fight or yell when things get hard, that's what they're going to do. But if they see their parents drop to their knees and they say, we're going to pray about this and they focus on the word of the Lord, then that's going to be instilled in them going forward. Right. I, I, absolutely. And, 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 and that's actually how the transference of faith occurs. The Shema says that you would teach your children on the way when you're lying down, when you're at home and when you're, uh, and when you're about your normal life. Okay. So, so th that has to happen. I think this is a very important con context to understand as well. I use parenting as it, but look, it, it's the same way in leading a church. Mm. It's the same way in leading a company. It's the same way in being in corporate America. It's the same, any place you go, you have to move people from the place of slavery or the, the notion of, I just do bricks and you yell at me and I make bricks to, hey, what would it look like if you're building your life uh, on your own. And, right. and, and, and that, that includes in a company when you bring people who just go tell me what to do, where, whereas what you really want in, in leadership within a company, within a business, within government, within whatever is, you want people who actually know how to think and who can come alongside of you and work in a complementary way. In, in the life of faith, that complementary way happens because God himself is leading both of you. 
right? There's nothing more beautiful than being on the same page with someone else. But there's one great big inhibitor that causes us to not be willing to do that, and that's fear. Mm. Think about a slave's life. They live in constant fear of not having enough food, not having enough water, not having enough provision uh, to, to make it in their life, not having the clothing they need, not having the heat that they need for fuel to keep them warm, uh, keep them cold, uh, warm in the winter and, and, and you know, not having all the provisions you need for your life. Right. You're living in constant fear. We live in a world, Jesse, that is identical to that. And that is the world is driven by fear. One of the things I'm going to talk about this weekend. So I did some research on it. The university of Minnesota in their medical school actually um, said that there's four things that come from chronic fear uh, that, that happen in a person's life. And I, I, I want to, you know, listeners here on the podcast, just ask yourself, is this where our world is right now? Is our world living in here? So living under constant threat has serious health consequences, what University of, Medi University of Minnesota Medical School says. And that says this, is that it has physical consequences. Fear weakens our immune system, can cause cardiovascular damage, gastrointestinal problems, such as ulcers and irritable bowel syndrome, and decrease fertility. It can lead to accelerated aging and even premature death. Fear has huge impacts on people's life physically. Second thing, and this is this is this is profound as it relates to the people of Israel. Again, University of Minnesota, right? Is that chronic fear affects your memory. Fear can impair formation of long-term memories and cause damage to certain parts of the brain, such as the hippocampus. This can make it even more difficult to regulate fear and can leave a person anxious most of the time. We're living in a world of un, un, unknown anxiousness. I mean, the prescription drugs that are out there now uh, that are being prescribed are over-the-top because people are more and more and more and more anxious, mm -hmm. right? Okay, and then he says... Um, to someone in chronic fear, the world looks scary and their memories confirm that. That's what the Egyptians were doing. The thing about it, the moment they didn't have water, they went, hey, where's the water? Mm -hmm. We at least had water back in Egypt, right? Think about when they didn't have food, because that's chapter 16, the quail and the manna show. Right. And God gives them just enough food for how long? One, One day. day. And on, on, the, on the day before the Sabbath, he gives them food for Two, two days. days, right? And one of the great one of the great worries of our world right now, the, the scarcity. Think about the toilet paper thing that happened. Think about all the other things where there's scarcity is that those memories confirm you should be afraid. And that fear causes more problems. Another thing it does, again, University of Minnesota, brain processing and reactivity. Fear can interrupt processes in our brains that allow us to regulate our emotions. So what happens is is that we do this. This is, if this was a, a sine wave, right? A normal sine wave goes like this. And what happens is when we're living in fear and we're living in anxiety or, and there's a similarity here, and this is why children are most susceptible to it. What is it that young people are, are immature, not immature because they lack, they, they have not chosen to be mature. Time has not given them the opportunity to be mature. Right. What do they do? They live up, like down, this. Up, down, up, down, up, down. Right? Exactly. And so, so what happens is when we're living in chronic fear, that goes on in the lives of us as adults as well. One of the signs of maturity, and interestingly enough, one of the signs of maturity in our faith with God is that we learn to walk with him in the long season. The prophet Jeremiah used the phrase is that, is, is that we are walking, uh, it is a, the faith walk is a long walk of obedience in the same direction. Mm. 
add to it the superficiality of our age. We live in an era where it's like, you know, a long period of time with our investments is like two months. Oh my gosh, what did the market do today? What a long period do? of time waiting for your packages is more than two days. Yeah, at right. This point, right? Well, and we're being conditioned and trained to have it, have it, have it right, 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 right now. Instant gratification. Exactly. The problem is, the byproduct of that is, is that we actually live sporadic and very spastic lives. And that's hard to do. Think about how hard that is on relationships. Think about how hard that is on how we work. Think about how hard it is when you've got employees that that's how they live their, live, their, live their lives. One of the great things that we as people of faith have the opportunity to do is to live a life that says we face those same difficulties, but what we do is we maintain our faith in God. That was mm -hmm. Moses's big challenge. Then you get to the, after, so, so run out of water, run out water, of food. Yeah. Run out of food. So the wood goes into the water, the food comes down from heaven which I still have this question, how did it not hit him in the head? But right, I mean, like, I, is it like snow or is it like hail? It's well, that just was like the dropping, Hannah. right? Well, the Hannah, the, sorry, the man, the man was like that, but the quail still, you know, did they fly down and just stop? Not, I mean, quail, if you've ever watched them, they run along the ground, right? Yeah. They're ground birds. So it'd been pretty easy for them to be along the ground. But then the, then the third thing is they come back to the next place and they're out of water again. And this is where Moses gets challenged in his leadership. Because remember I said, we, we know that those who are just coming out of slavery, we know that the immature, the young, all like that, they'll live like this. But Moses has been what? Trained by God and he's trying to walk with him and he gets to that 17th chapter and they need water and Moses in his anger hits the rock. And that's one of the greatest concerns I, as a pastor I would have is, is that do I get to the place where I lose patience in my leading and in my leadership, and I do something that disqualifies me from being a leader or to enter into that promised land. Mm. We do have to remember the story, Jesse, and this is the part we, we don't like to hear a lot. Those people who built the calf later on down, those people who were impatient with God, because now we get into chapter 19. Well, I, I should say chapter 17, they run out of water. Moses hits a rock, loses the opportunity to go in the promised land. Chapter 18, Jethro comes in, gives his consultancy and says, hey, you're doing this poorly. Chapter 19, they get to Mount Sinai and Moses has to go up and be with God. And when he goes to be with God, the people get impatient. Uh, chapter 20, we get the Ten Commandments. We're going to talk about the house rules this weekend, about how if we're going to go home, we're going to make our way home. There are house rules mm -hmm. on how we live in a home, and I'll talk about those in the positive, how that works. But 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 then we also know that one this generation, that generation that kvetched, complained, they died off before they went in the promised land. Mm -hmm. And and I think I think what we what we have to remember is that when we get so overwhelmed by fear and we get so overwhelmed by worry, what ends up happening is we lose the joy of our lives. And at a practical level, even the University of Minnesota says this, is that you, you, you will have physical memory, brain processing of problems, and even then coming down to mental health where it says other consequences of long-term fear include fatigue, clinical depression, and PTSD. Mm. So, so, our scientists are finding this all out. Well, those people died off. Right. They didn't last. And if we want to use the, the term of the day or the term of the era we're in, it's unsustainable to live a life of housed but homeless. It's unsustainable to live a life of faith without true faith in God. It's unsustainable to start the walk of God and not finish without the work of the Holy Spirit. And we talked last week about how the God of hope comes into us and gives us hope 
Romans 15, 13, and that hope actually is endowed through the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit continues to lead our lives. If I can make it very pragmatic, one of the personal tests that I have about my life as well is, am I, am I living negatively or am I living positively? Mm. Now, I, I, I know there are difficulties, and, and one of the first things that happens when you try to live a positive life, negative people gang up on you. <laughs> He's yeah. going, oh, well, you don't know about this and you don't know. About, and what are they doing? They're talking about all their fears, right? I, I'll give you another line that's a freezing line, a Harvey line or a freezing family line. And that is this. The moment you expose your hopes, dreams, or aspirations to people is the moment that they generally expose their fears, worries, and concerns. Mm. The moment you, you expose your hopes, dreams, and aspirations to people generally is followed up by a moment where a negative people will share with you their fears, worries, and concerns. Mm. And so we have to make that decision, too, about who we're with, right? And, and the people of Israel, I mean, that, that 2.4 million people that walked out, left, left Egypt, went on their way to the Promised Land, they were assigned by God to Moses, if you want to say it that way. Uh, but and, and I want to not be hard on them because because honestly, it's easy to be negative. It's easy to see the problems. It's easy. You know, the, you, the old story, right? The the two prisoners are in, in jail and one looks up and looks out the window and says, wow, look at the constellations tonight. I mean, there's the night sky and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And the other guy looks up and says, I just see bars. What are you looking at? Mm. Right. And the question we have to decide is, do we see the stars or do we see the bars? And, and I think that those slaves only knew what to look for in the bars. Freedom is so hard to, to handle as humans because we're inclined to kvetch. We're inclined to see the problems. We're inclined to see how difficult it is. This translation, this work, I think is so exciting. That's why I'm excited to preach it this Sunday is we could even have, have titled the sermon series, How to Go from Being Negative to Positive with a Real Reason for Why. What we're really saying this is finding your way home, finding your way home. Look, I, I, I told that story this last weekend about the car, you know, and how I drove the car down to Corpus Christi, Texas, and I, uh, the transmission didn't work. And someone asked me after church, because in second service, I didn't even actually finish out the story. I said, well, what did you do? You know, what did you do? Well, I, I drove the car home and I limped it home on two gears at 45 to 50 miles an hour made it home and it was at home where we got the car fixed well what i would suggest is some of us are a little bit limping right now and i think god comes along and says you were made to make it to the promised land don't complain that i'm taking you a bit of a harder way because i'm actually untraining that slave life and i'm training that gospel life mm. and why one of the reasons why we gave the call to the to the altar to dedicate yourselves to god to give your life to jesus there were people that came forward we prayed over them this last weekend uh people six people going to be baptized this weekend i mean what mm. a glory god is pouring out Absolutely. people are saying i want to live in a promised land life and, and but but that takes a desire to turn your fears over to god and start to walk with him. It's not Pollyanna. It's not losing your mind. It's not living with your head in the clouds. It's actually living a calculated, lived out life of faith that believes that the God of the, the, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, which by the way, there is no God of the Old Testament, New Testament distinction. It's just we he's revealed in this place and he's revealed in this place. We see the totality of the goodness of God and that God is a God who comes along and says, you don't have to be a slave to sin. 
You don't have to be a slave to your lusts. You don't have to be a slave to the concerns, worries, and expectations of others. You can be my people, and I will set you free that you would walk in me, and I'll give you the tools and the skills to live in the promised land. So that's what we're going to do this weekend. Absolutely. I love that. Um, is there any other thoughts you had on on what you wanted to share with us? I mean, this idea of going from, you know, the slavery of there's almost a comfort sometimes in the fear or the I in that lifestyle, I would say, and people, when they get the freedom, it's almost kind of like the same issue we run into when, you know, if you go from having cable television where you know what channels you have to getting satellite or going on streaming and you see thousands of things, I mean, the world opens up into all of these options, but that can sometimes also be scary. Same thing of, you know, when I graduated out of college, I had options of what I wanted to do. And that was almost more terrifying than anything because I didn't sure. know where I was going. And yet that's kind of a step of faith. And so you're saying sometimes that step of faith makes people so fearful that they just start complaining about it, even though it's like, you have all of these options in the world and I'm taking you to a better place, but it's not the same as what I thought it was going to be, or it's not as easy as I thought it was going to be, or it's not the direction I thought it was going to be. Right. And, 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 and you asked the Beautiful question. I mean, we didn't even coordinate it, but you you intuitively see it. The answer is found in Exodus 18, and that is God's answer to how to move from a slave life to a freed life is biblical discipleship life. Mm. Biblical discipleship is where I learned how to go from the slavery, uh, slavery to lust, slavery to sin, slavery to worry, fear, and anxiety, where people came along and mentored me. I talk often about a guy named Jerry Schlater who has been in my life and who had a wonderful place in my life where he guided me to seek the Lord. His answer, he'd look at me, it's Jesus, press in. It's Jesus, press in. And he would do on a practical level, walk me through very practical things on how to grow and how to be a husband and how to be a father and did all those kinds of things in my life. And, and what I would say to you is, is that's why isolated faith does not work. It's why Sunday only faith does not work. Mm. You might as well stay in Egypt. In fact, Jesus says this in, in Revelation. In Revelation, he says, I would rather you be hot or cold don't be lukewarm. If you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. I think lukewarm Christianity, remember that shortcut Christianity mm -hmm. we talked about last weekend, is it's better to stay in Egypt. I would agree with them. You should have stayed in Egypt. It'd be better to die there. At least we knew what the bars were. Out here, we have no idea. The answer to that is discipleship. You'll you, you, We didn't get into it today, but one of the things to notice is when God first sends Moses up the mountain, he has Aaron beside him to begin with. Right. That's, that's what discipleship is. We need a Paul in our life who leads us. We need a Barnabas in our life who encourages us. And we need Timothys in our lives that we share the faith with them as well. Mm. So that, that, that this is the gospel message. We, we, this is the answer. It's that who you go with matters. And who you go with is led by the Holy Spirit, because remember, we had the pillar of fire and the pillar of the cloud that led them and was between them and the Egyptians. And then they went with what? God gave the main leader somebody that they did life and mentorship together as mm. well. So we're, we'll talk about that this coming weekend. And Pastor Doug, that's obviously been his heart, his vision, his desire for us as a church. We are a discipling church. And, 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 and I would say to you, if you're new here, you have to come into discipleship. If you're just coming on Sunday morning, you, you're literally hearing us talk about the promised land and you're living a lot of Egypt. You're on your own, isolated and living out there and wonder when you're going to get water. Mm. And, and you know what people do too? Here's what people will say. 
This is a great indicator that you're living in a lone life. I'm not being fed here. That's the line that people a lot of times use when they go, well, I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go to a different church because yeah, I'm exactly. not being fed here. Yeah, exactly. And, and I would suggest open up your mouth and take a bite. Open up your mouth and get in the game, right? Sit down and have a meal. What is, it? What is Acts 2, 42 to 47? The, catch this word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, prayer, fellowship, and breaking of bread. They devoted themselves to being in a small group. Mm. They devoted themselves to being the church in small and in big. That's what we teach here. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing those good words with us, Pastor Harvey. Really, really appreciate that. Pleasure. And good to be here. We're excited for Sunday where you're going to be sharing the yeah. the other half of this mini series that we're in, Finding Your Way Home. And then obviously we're excited for Pastor Doug to be coming back. Yeah. Uh, make sure you guys tune in on Thursday. We're doing uh, another episode. Pastor Doug has something for you guys. And obviously tune in on Sunday to hear the grand finale of this little mini series that Pastor Harv's put together for us that I'm really enjoying. So thank you guys so much for watching and we'll see you on Sunday here at Foothills Christian Church.